Welcome to the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast, a podcast for school and district leaders who want to wake up and be excited to go to work, ensure that teachers are happy, students are joyful, and parents are engaged and make a positive difference in the lives of those they serve. Your host, Dr. Donna Marie Cozine, will share tips, tricks, and proven strategies to increase joy in your staff, students, and yourself. Welcome to Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast. I am so excited to be with you today. I am Dr. Donna Marie Cozine, the host of the podcast. And with me today, I have a special friend, Dr. Darren Peppard, who is an author, publisher, speaker, and consultant who is focused on what matters most in leadership and education. He is an expert in school culture and climate, as well as coaching and growing emerging leaders and is the author of the best-selling book, Road to Awesome, Empower, Lead, Change the Game. Darren is also the host of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. Darren was named the 2016 Wyoming Secondary School Principal of the Year by WASSP and NASSP, and was the 2015 Justin's Renaissance Educator of the Year in 2017. Darren earned his doctorate degree in educational leadership from the University of Wyoming, and he was inducted into the Justin's Renaissance Hall of Fame in 2019. Darren now shares his experiences from over 25 years in education, specifically those learned as an educational leader during the past 13 years. As a, quote, recovering high school principal, Darren shares lessons learned and effective strategies from over 25 years in public education to help leaders, both adults and students, to become more effective and positively impact the world around them. Wow, I am so impressed to have you with me today. Welcome, Darren. Well, thank you, Don. I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to this. This is uh, it's going to be a fun time just having a good conversation about leadership and joy and all the great stuff you're doing with your podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I've said over and over that this season is about me putting people on that I feel like I have an affinity for or toward or we do similar work. So I'm really pleased to have you here. So when I spoke to you about being on my podcast and I, I talked about joy, the thing that you said was, I want to talk about school culture. So let's talk about it. Tell me about, you're an expert school culture. What do you think about joy in schools? Just what do you, just go, whatever you want to say. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think joy in schools um, is, is a part of culture in our schools and, and our schools. So right now people aren't feeling a lot of joy. Um, A lot of that really permeates into the culture and, you know, there's so much negativity, I guess, that's pushing its way into our schools, you know, pressure on different uh, different levels of school leaders, obviously a lot of pressure on teachers, maybe some negative uh, headlines and some negative stories that are out there. This, this, you know, everything to do with the narrative around education right now is not as positive as it should be. And those are the things that really challenge us within our culture. And so as somebody who really preaches about leadership but using that that focus on culture as the first element in leadership. What what I'd like to see us doing and what I'd like to see us focusing on is really just lifting people up and celebrating the things they're doing right right now. Because now right now the, the spotlight's being shined on things that either aren't going well or just that people perceive that aren't going well, which maybe isn't true. Yeah, it's funny about education because I've always said that, you know, you go to a doctor's office and you assume the doctor has expertise and you don't tell the doctor how to operate or how to, or the dentist how to 
do a cavity. But because everyone's been to school, they think they can run a school, right? So then we always get a hundred percent, right? We always get a lot of unsolicited, unsolicited feedback and uh, advice from people who just think they can do it better. And, you know, unfortunately, we have become the whipping boy, so to speak, in terms of um, education. I think that during COVID, though, educators should be so proud of what we've been able to accomplish over those those years. And, you know, it was during COVID that my second book came out about joy in schools because I realized we can still have joyful schools. It's still happening. Kids were so happy to be in school after being out for three and four years, um, three and four months. So let me ask you something, Darren. Let's it felt say, like three and four years. I know it did feel like it. So let's say you're, you're meeting with a principal or a superintendent, it really doesn't matter, but a school leader, district leader. And they said to you, you know, everyone just feels down. You know, the teachers feel down, the staff feels down, the leadership feels down. What advice would you give them to try and flip it to start focusing more on the positive aspects of their positions as opposed to the things that are, you know, keeping them down? Yeah, I think I think there are two things that that I would focus on, and when when I have those conversations with folks, and um, I actually, I one of the things I'm doing right now is uh, traveling around and, and actually speaking in schools. I have a, a partner. Um, in St. Paul, Minnesota, a guy named Tom Cody. And he and I together have been speaking in schools about exactly what what you're talking about. And the two things I think that that uh, are critical are, number one, we, we've got to focus on what we can control and we've got to quit worrying about the things we can't. So much of the, you know, everybody's morale is low is because we're worried about all these things out on the perimeter that we really don't have control of. And, you know, the, the number one thing that, that we can control is ourself and how we choose to show up each and every day. And, you know, if that means, you know, we have to really get our mind straight in the parking lot before we, you know, before we get out of the car and head in, then that's what we need to do. But if we bring, you know, that, that low morale, if we bring that uh, feeling of helplessness that, you know, just, boy, there's such little that I can control right now. Why is this happening? Why is that happening into our classrooms and into our schools, whether, you know, whether that's as a leader or as a classroom teacher, the kids are going to feel that. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to see the growth and the development that that we want to see. The other thing too, that I think is critical is we got to let go of blame. You know, we've, we've been in this pandemic for a while um, I would tell you that the second pandemic going in the United States right now is blame. I mean, that is like the number one thing. You know, I want to blame somebody else for for this or for that. And the thing to not lose sight of is as soon as I blame Donna for whatever's going on in my life, I give away the power to have any control over what's happening in my life because, hey, I just blamed you, Donna, and I'm throwing the ball to you. Here you go. You have control of my life we're all going to feel run down. We're all going to feel that low morale when we're not taking ownership of who we are. I mean, we get one journey, right? right. We got to find a way to bring that joy back to ourselves. and talk with a lot of principals, a lot of superintendents around the country about exactly that, bring that message. And that's, again, that's a message that, that I've been taking around the country this year, but you know, we've, we got to focus on what we can control and man, we just, it's hard, but we've got to really shut a lot of that other stuff out and, you know, don't play the, uh, you know, the if only game, you know, if only Donna would do this over in the district office and if only the parents would do this, we got to let go of that stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that we've had so little control 
district level, building level, all of those things because of COVID, right? And every week in the beginning, it seemed like we had different directives of what was going on that, you know, as teachers, we like, and educators, we like control over our things. And, and we're really not good when we don't know what's coming yeah. next. So it, it is, it is yeah. a, it's a bit of a paradigm shift to think that because, you know, I remember when I was first as a leader uh, in a system principal, someone said to me, you can't take this personally. And I was like, but it's, it is personal. And and now 20 something years later, I'm like, he, he's right. You can't take everything personally in this business. You have to just take it, sit with it and let it go because tomorrow there's going to be another obstacle. There's going to be another crisis, right. crisis to deal with. But it's so difficult. <laughs> it's just so difficult not to take things personal when, you know, when you see whether, whether it's you as the individual teacher, principal, superintendent, whatever, or our profession under fire. It's hard not to take that personal. You know, I think I learned the same lessons you did, you know, going through, you know, all the years that I was a school administrator that, yeah, you can't take it personal, but boy, there comes a point in time when it's like, ah, you know, enough is enough, you know, kind of back off of us a little bit. But I think, I think something too, that that's really important that helps us maybe regain a little bit of that, uh, that locus of self-control is to focus on what it is that we're looking for. You know, it's easy to find the negatives if you go out looking for them, right? But, you know, if we want to turn ourselves back to the positives, we've got to focus on them. We've got to look for them. I talk about it in the book, but there was a moment in time that, that really changed me as a leader. And I mean, it, it, as an assistant principal, I worked in a school where we were really good at catching people doing things wrong. I mean, we were like experts at catching, doing, catching people doing things wrong. Not so and good. it was because that's what we were looking for. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, our culture was awful. It was toxic. And we had, we were having, you know, this, this staff meeting, and I'm sure you've sat in this staff meeting before too. And sadly, these staff meetings are still happening. The, what are we going to do about cell phones staff meeting? And uh, ours, ours was actually also laced with, what are we going to do about hats? You know, I mean, holy cow, who cares? Let's figure out what battles we really want to fight. But partway through this meeting, um, one of my social workers raised her hand and she's like, God, Darren, why is it always going to be about what they do wrong? Why can't it be about what they do right? And it was like a bolt of lightning. Like, wow, why, why have I been doing it wrong all this time? And so I think that's a kit, the critical thing for us right now is we're going to start focusing on, on the positives. Look for those things. You know, it's, it's like, you know, Donna, I'm, I'm going to give you a challenge too. Next time you're out and about in your car, I want you to count the number of red cars you see. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to see a ton of red cars because you're looking for them. If I had said blue, you would have seen a ton of blue cars because that's what you're looking for. So same thing's true with positives. If we're looking for them, holy cow, they're everywhere. You just got to be looking for them. Don't worry about looking for the negatives. I love that. And, you know, I have the benefit of having interviewed the five or six people before you. And this, this message keeps coming back. Like if you look for it, expect it identify it, celebrate it, because it's almost like, I don't know if it's a psychological thing or not, that's not my areas of expertise, but it's almost like as humans, we're always looking for the negatives. You know what I mean? Like it's the negative things that we think of because those are the things we want to improve. I mean, look at the media, right? How often is the media celebrating positive things? Not very often, right? It's always that you know, I down or Debbie Downer stuff. And I hear people say, I don't even look at the news anymore. So in general, really looking for those positive things really can just flip the script for you and change and change it, you know? So let's 
let me ask you this. When you work with your schools across the country or leaders or whatnot, what are your top two, top whatever, one, two, three, doesn't matter, tips sure. for principles, let's stick with principles, on how to focus on a positive school culture? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to start with being very, very clear about what's important to you. You know, we as leaders, we, we bring our own values to the table. We bring our own things that we hold in high regard to the table each and every day. And if we don't know what those things are, if we're not really crystal clear on our own, how in the world can anybody else be? It ties right back in with the expectations piece too. You know, setting and holding clear expectations and maintaining those, you know, that makes a big difference in your culture. It, culture is not just about celebrating, you know, and, and, and having great, you know, academic pep rallies and, and all those. Those things are important, too. In fact, I think they're critical. But if you don't know what it is that's important to you, how can you celebrate those things? So to me, with working with leaders, that's where it starts. You know, what's really important to you? Maybe it's four or five things. For me, it was six when I was when I was a high school principal. And, and I challenge leaders to, you know, come up with a system for checking in on yourself. You know, for me, the six that were important were living my values, um, building and maintaining positive culture and climate, loving on all the adults in the building, empowering our kids, telling the story, and le- leading with a coaching mentality as opposed to, you know, an evaluative uh, mentality. And what I would do is I would physically go to the, the basketball arena and stand on the balcony because I was a basketball coach way back when. And, you know, the best view of the video of your game comes from up up on high. So I would like in my own mind be looking down on the floor at the six things and just checking out on myself, you know, so how, how am I doing well here? Where am I struggling? What do I need to do a little bit better? So that would be the first thing is get clear about your values and then hold yourself to those values, you know, set those clear expectations. Because the truth is, if you have clear expectations and everybody knows what's important to you, it's really easy for everybody to hit the targets. You know, they're going to rise or fall to the level of expectation you're willing to hold them to. So really be clear about what's, what's important to you. And then number two, I would say, you know, what are you doing to empower those around you? As leaders, I had this conversation with somebody a couple of days ago, recording an episode for my podcast. And, and this person had the same struggle I did my first maybe year, year and a half uh, as, as a school leader. I fell into the trap of, I thought it had to be all about me. Yeah. I thought it was, I had, yes. to, know, I had to know the answer to everything, yeah. right? You know, I had, to, I had to be the smartest one in the room. I had to, I had to do everything. And that's something I, I stress with leaders a lot. And most of the leaders that I work with are fairly early career. You know, they're early into a principal shift or they just transitioned into a superintendent, you know, position or whatever. And they fall into that same trap I did. You know, uh, well, I have to be Superman now that they've hired me. You weren't Superman when they hired you. Why would you be that now? Right. Be the person that you that hired, you know, I mean, they hired you because you were this guy. Be that guy. Right. You know, bring to the table what you do well. And for goodness sake, empower everybody around you to do what they do well. You know, if you've got, for me, number one, most important person was empowering my secretary, my building secretary at first. I mean, she wouldn't do anything. That was my fault. It wasn't her fault, you know, but we reached a point where, you know, she had control of so much and she was so good at it. 
And it allowed me to go be a leader and not be a right. firefighter. Yeah. So, I mean, I could probably give you 10, but those are those two right there. Be clear on what you value, live them. And number two, man, don't try to be the smartest person in the room all the time. Be the person they hired. Yeah. So much of what you're saying is you're speaking to the choir here, the choir of one, because a lot of that is what I talk about in my work as well. And the first thing is that whole idea of imposter syndrome. And it it just, you know, I have to know everything because otherwise I shouldn't be in this seat. And that's just our brain. That's yeah. fear telling us, you know, to try and protect ourselves. But, you know, it's just so funny that so we all go through those same things. We all feel that feeling. One of the best lessons I learned a few years ago was when I ran my organization and I do leadership retreats for groups, right? And I did before I started my school, but I realized that I needed a leadership retreat for my school and I didn't want to run it. I wanted to be a participant because if you're the superintendent, yeah, and you're running it, then everyone defers to you. So I brought in this great guy. His name is Dr. Jason Berman, who's now a friend of mine. And he, he would work with me to plan the retreats. And he taught us that these two researchers, Kuzis and Posner, they interviewed over 75,000 people. And they said, what are the four characteristics of leaders? Think of a leader you admire and will willingly follow. What are the four characteristics? And these four came up like 85% of the people hit this first one. And the first one is honest. The second is forward thinking. And this is in order. Third is competent. And four is inspiring. So focus on those three things. And when I talk with leaders and I similar to you and I'm developing them, I talk about this idea of competence. Competence doesn't mean you know everything. Competence means you've surrounded yourself right. with people who can get you the answer. I mean, think about the president of the United States. They have a cabinet. Why do they have a cabinet? Because they can't know everything. And a lot of times right. what you're describing and what I'm describing leads to people micromanaging. If you feel like you need to know everything, it slows oh, yeah. everything down. It, muck ups, it mucks up the work and takes the joy out of what we're doing. And when you empower people, that makes them feel happy. I'm sure your, your secretary was like, finally, he got out of my way <laughs> and, oh, I yeah. can, and I can oh, do yeah. what I need to do. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, and, and I, I, you know, had, had some similar experiences in coaching other leaders, you know, too, and, and sitting down with, you know, with, with their building secretary and saying, Hey, let's talk about, you know, you know, what are you doing here? What are you here? What are you doing here? And I've had quite a few that were similar to the the early relationship I had with, with Marilyn, my secretary. And, you know, I, I remember one specific instance. I worked with a principal in Nevada and it was, I mean, he couldn't make it down the hallway, you know, without like eight teachers and 15 kids stopping and saying, oh, hey, I need to talk about this. And you talked about this. And so he would stop and have all those conversations. And, you know, we were on our way this particular time, we were on our way to an evaluation and we got there like 15 minutes late. And afterwards we talked about this. I'm like, so why were those more important than this? Oh, well, you know, they just, they just really needed to talk to me. I get that. You know, that's being a firefighter. Yeah. I had the same experience. My coach, when he came in, same thing. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Focus on what's important. The answer to that is, Hey, I know you need to talk to me. Go stop and see my secretary. She'll get you on my calendar for however many minutes you need, and I'll come to you. And when I had this conversation with this leader and his principal or his secretary in Nevada, the secretary started crying. She's like, well, this is what I've been wanting to do. Right. You know, I can do this. I can help him be more effective to be a better principal. 
if he just let me in. It wasn't that he didn't want a letter. It's the no. same thing, you know. Wow, I have to be everything to everybody. And that's not leadership. You're right. I mean, that's it's unintentional micromanagement. Some people micromanage on purpose, yeah. but that is unintentional micromanagement. It's also the road, it's also the road to burnout. And when you're stopping, I call it the the got a minute, right? Got a minute, got a minute, got a minute. You know, you're you're not even giving people enough of your attention. It's almost disrespectful to say, yeah, tell me right now. No, I want to give you the the attention that you need. But, you know, here we are, two people who coach leaders across the country, which I love that. And I want you to talk about, because I I mean, I could talk about it myself because I also had a leader, a coach. But why do you think it's important? And I'll I'll give my reason after, but why do you think it's important for Mm -hmm. superintendents and principals to have a coach? It's uh, to me, it's it's probably one of the best investments that we can make, whether that's the district that makes the investment or, you know, the individual makes the investment. Just simply having that third point perspective. And, and, you know, when when I'm coaching leaders, I'm not necessarily giving them the answers. I'm not doing the work for them. But just giving them that kind of that little bit of a different angle of here's what I'm seeing, you know, and just giving them that in the moment feedback so that they can be the best they can be. And we we all have blind spots. I mean, you know, it's it's like driving down the road, you know. I mean, there are certain parts, you know, where you can't see. And having that coach who can give you that feedback, who can help you establish goals, can help you achieve those goals simply by holding you accountable in a way that's, you know, hey, tell me where we're at here, tell me where you're at there. Um, for whatever reason, Donna, Coaching in education has not gotten the traction that it should. It's getting better. But, you know, when, I remember when instructional coaches were first introduced in the district where ultimately I became principal. I was an assistant at the time. And, I mean, it was almost like, you know, we don't want those coaches around. You know, if a coach comes to my room, it means I'm bad, you know. Or, and, and unfortunately, the person who oversaw the coaches at the district level, I, I think that's what it was. It was these teachers are struggling to get in their classrooms and help them. And coaching shouldn't just be for people who are struggling. I mean, our highest achievers, think, think about, and they're going to they're gonna pop into your head when I say this, think about those two or three elite teachers that you evaluated during the course of, of, your, of your leadership journey. They were the hardest to evaluate because they wanted the most feedback. They wanted to grow. They didn't want you to just come in and say, you're all five stars, you're great, go away. They wanted feedback. Our best leaders, they're the ones who want that feedback. And let's be honest, as a superintendent, you don't have time to do that for your, for your principals. As a principal, maybe you don't have time to do that for your assistant principals. Having that other person who can give you that, that third point perspective, that's to me, that's where I always will go with this third point perspective. And, and the other piece, I agree with everything you said, but I also want to add what was really powerful for me and what I find powerful for the people that I'm working with is leadership is lonely. When you're a superintendent, oh, you yeah. share everything with your assistant superintendent or your board president, or if you're a principal, there are things you can't share with your assistant principal. But if you have a coach, you know, you get to pick up the phone and you say, Donna Marie, I'm struggling with this thing. And then you talk it yeah. through and you you have your 
you know, you have that person who's been where you are, who's had the struggles you've struggled. And I love what you said, Darren, because coaching is not giving the answers. Coaching is saying, what do you think? Let's look at the options. What do you think will work best? I'm coaching a superintendent now and, and I made a recommendation and the next week she said, yeah, I chose to do something else than your recommendation. I was like, great, just do something. You know, she just chose Danielson instead of something else, you know? So I do think it's important. I think it also, I think it feels like in our industry and you're absolutely right because every CEO of fortune 500 companies, everybody has an executive coach, right? But in our, it's like, Oh, educators just need to, educational leaders just need to figure it out. Come on. You, everyone needs somebody to help support them for sure. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I think of it like this. Yeah. I was just going to say, fortunately, most recently in all the federal money that has come out with ESSER, it actually says in their leadership development. So finally they're starting to to see the necessity of it. But what were you going to say? How do you think about it? Yeah. So what I was going to say is, uh, you know, Coupling what you said and what, what I said, to me, this, and it's maybe the best analogy I've ever heard for having a coach. Um, I had a, a teacher that I worked really closely with. We're still very, very good friends to this day. And I'll never forget him describing the way, the way that I supported him. Again, I told you one of my six was to lead with a coaching mindset. So it, almost never was I telling him, I need you to do this or I need you to do this. It was, you know, tell me what you'd like to do. And he likened me and my leadership style to that of a driver's ed teacher. I'm sitting in the front seat. I've got the little brake at the bottom of the floor. I can hit the brake if I need to, you know, I can tap the brakes, but you're driving, you know, I'm just kind of more like playing the navigator role for you. You know, Hey, let's turn up here. Hey, you might think about slowing down a little bit or whatever the case may be. But, you know, thinking about coaching as kind of that, yeah, I'm, I'm navigating. I'm sitting in the passenger seat and yeah, if there happens to be a break on the floor. Yeah, I can tap it if it's there, if I need yeah. to. You know, the other thing you said for those superintendents who are out there, it's really true. The superintendent does not have enough time to run the district and coach the principals, honestly. So it's really, it's the benefit to the whole organization for your executives in your school district to have some sort of a coach or to bring somebody in to develop your leadership team, you know, because effective leaders create effective schools and you bring in a leader who's ineffective or worse, terrible, you can undo years of what was good about a school, unfortunately. So I agree with everything that you said. So I'm going to wrap it up with our final questions. Unless did you want to add something? Did you want to add something? No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, Just real quick. Yeah, I will just real quick. You know, same same kind of concept. I mean, I I do very similar work that that you do. And the leadership workshops that that I do, I remind, you know, the the superintendents or, or whatever the case may be that, you know, growing that whole leadership team, number one, involves you being a part of it. You mentioned this earlier. You you can't have those summer retreats where you as the leader are the facilitator because they're going to tell you what you want to hear as opposed to you being a part of the team. And number two, continuing to grow and coach your leaders. The, the thing when, when leaders leave, the, the primary reason that leaders leave districts is a lack of support. That's right. You know, and just think about the cost involved in replacing a superintendent or replacing a principal. And there's a huge financial cost, but there's also that, you mentioned it, the whole organization 
taking a step backwards. So um, yeah, I, I could go on and on and on about this. So could I? And, I, will, I know you're ready for your for your I questions. So on I'll on let too. you know. I could go on and on too, but I do want to tell you that um, the Wallace Foundation did a study on principal turnover, and this was many years ago. And the cost of replacing one principal, just the cost, not all those ancillary things like school culture or stakeholders, was seventy five thousand dollars. Now that was years ago. It's probably closer to 100 to 110. And with the teacher and leader retention issues we're having in the United States now, it does behoove districts to make sure that they're investing in their leaders to ensure that they're effective and oh, are, and feel supported. All right. So let's wrap up our yeah. two, our last two questions. The first is, what's your first joyful memory? Man, you know, you asked me ahead of time, so I could be thinking about this and. Uh, I think I'm still struggling a little bit with it, but um, I think oh, I think I'm going to go with um, back when I was in the classroom uh, as a teacher, and thinking back on just a number of of students who just really just got it. You know, we we always you know we all had as classroom teachers we had those individual students who would challenge us along the way. And um, there was one individual student, a kid named Matt, uh, who I had my very first year as a teacher. And, and he challenged and challenged and challenged the whole way through. And I, I think there were those moments where I'd see him understand something in the classroom. I, my first five years, I was a middle school science teacher. And my moment with him, my first joyful moment that I remember is not him grasping some concept but at the end of the year, him, this little tough kid that, that didn't want to be around anybody coming and giving me a little side hug at the end of the year and just saying, hey, thanks for putting up with, me. you know, just a little thing, a very little thing. But as a first year teacher, you know, you're not sure, you know, if you're making a difference. And when you're working with, with kids who challenge us, you really feel like you're not, you know, you mentioned earlier, we go to the negatives, we don't stay on the positives, you know, but that whole year, it was like, what do I have to do to get through to this kid? What do I have to do to get through to this kid? And at the end of the year, it turns out I was getting through to him the whole time. I just didn't know it. And I didn't know enough yet about kids to see that, you know, I really was getting through. So that, to me, that's a moment that, that will always stick with me. So Matt, who was uh, in Mr. Pepper's science class, if you're listening, reach out to Darren. He wants to know what you're doing today. You're probably a company, an entrepreneur. You're probably doing great things. Okay. And what's the most joyful thing that has happened to you recently? Oh, man. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you, just taking this step from being you know, in a school each and every day, you know, it, it's crazy. You know, we go to school from the time we're in kindergarten and then, you know, go off to college and then you become an educator and you go right back to school and you're in school forever. You know, I'm, I'm still struggling, honestly. I don't know if you've experienced this phenomenon yet, but I can't wrap my brain around a year being January to December. I mean, it's still July 1 to June 30. I mean, that's how it works. But I think probably the most joyful thing has just been reminding myself and taking a step back and saying, you know, Hey, you did this work so you could impact more people across the country. And, and that's happening, but it's given me the opportunity to, to really remember who I am, uh, to share the content that I want to share, to be able to support people and, and see them make a difference. And the feedback that I've gotten a handful of different times from, from leaders around the country 
it just really fills me with joy to see them growing and, and taking the next steps and having success and being able to to break through some of the challenges that that they were faced with you know in a, in a situation like you said as a school leader it's very lonely mm-hmm. um so being able to see them you know break through and take the next step has, has just really been I, I can't identify one individual i'll just tell you that the last nine months has, has just been filled with joy yeah, I completely agree with you. I similarly made the change this year. And um, after my coaching with my superintendent on Monday, the one that I w- work with on Mondays, her feedback immediately was like, I love working with you every other week. It just changes everything. So for those of you who are out yeah. there, you've got two educational coaches on here, leadership coaches. If you like either of us, reach out. We, we are here for you. So yeah. Darren, how would people get in touch with you? So the easiest way um, is to just go to our website, which is roadtoawesome.net. There's contact forms, um, all of my links to my socials, all of the socials. I'm Darren M. Peppered. I've made it really simple um, to, to find me on every social media channel. But yeah, if you go to the website, roadtoawesome.net, um, you can see all the different services that we offer there from the motivational speaking to uh, all the leadership coaching and consulting, and then also our, our publishing side of Road to Awesome. And just hit the contact form and let's have a conversation. Sounds great. Roadtoawesome.net. And I will also put it in all of the notes. And it has, Darren, it has been such a pleasure to sit with you and talk today about how you're serving educators across the country. So thank you for your time. This is the end of my episode with Dr. Darren Peppard, and I invite you to the next episode of Joyful Educational Leadership. Have a great day. This has been another edition of the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and share it with friends and colleagues. If you'd like to join our mailing list, please go to www.joyfuleducationalleadership.com where you can learn more about how you can become the joyful leader you were meant to be. 